in which direction is the AI industry moving, what are the business trends that we need to look at in the coming weeks, and uh, what's so exciting right now about the current AI paradigm. If you do not understand what's the architecture of the current AI industry, go back and listen to my previous episodes. Otherwise, let's get to it right now. The interesting part right now of the AI industry is that it's moving quite quickly. A lot of billions are getting invested into it. We don't know what is going to work, what is not going to work, as we're going to figure things out on the fly. And of course, we're going to assume that right now there is a lot of bads around the AI industry. But at the same time, it's very hard to deny that what we've seen so far has been quite incredible since the demo of ChatGPT. And uh, the growth of ChatGPT has been incredible and has uh, waken up an industry that for years have been not stuck because there has been a huge amount of research and billions invested, especially from companies like Google and Facebook. But then we didn't see many uh, releases in public. We mostly saw like research papers. So when we moved from research papers from to products, that was the moment in which there was a lot of heat into the market. Now, what business trends are we looking at right now? It's quite interesting to notice that ChatGPT is getting better as we go. So there are a few things to take into account right now. There are most of the uh, technical people that look at ChatGPT and uh, there have been uh, a few uh, comments on Twitter also from very uh, huge like AI experts that uh, I truly respect. On the other side, when you're a technical person, you take uh, you you give a lot of weight to the technical perspective, but you might miss a huge point when it comes to the business perspective, meaning that, of course, in order for um, uh, technology to be successful, you need to actually uh, combine this product technology with uh, distribution, iteration, and uh, really then a business model and a business platform that is going to make it scale to the billions. The interesting part is that, of course, you can say that uh, ChatGPT or anyone else could have come with something like that uh, already a year or two years before ChatGPT, and that's uh, that might be it. Uh, you know, for instance, we can assume that Google already had the tools and uh, actually the technology to do it since it was also the, the team of Google researchers at Google Brain actually were the ones who actually put together the Transformer architecture. And a few months before uh, ChatGPT was released, uh, there was the whole uh, thing about uh, the, the Google engineer who talked to, to, to Lambda, who was the large language model of Google. And actually this engineer was thinking that uh, Lambda was uh, really um, uh, was uh, really sort of sentient. And plus, in addition to that, if you remember, in 2018, Google uh, made the transition, actually announced the transition into becoming an AI company with the release also of a staggering, staggering tool, which was Google Duplex, which was a conversational interface for the voice assistant of Google, which at the time was the hot thing, actually the voice assistant. But yet there was a huge, huge deal for everyone in the in the tech industry. However, for years, indeed, on the market, we didn't have anything that worked quite well when it came to AI. And most of the projects also personally that I've been working on were quite interesting, quite uh, visionary, uh, extremely compelling and exciting to look at the vision of those projects. But then when we went to applying AI to those projects, it was mostly cumbersome, a lot of work, huge amount of resources spent to generate an output that could be actually used for various purposes, like for instance, better internal navigational experiences, better positioning, ranking through Google and stuff like that. But nothing that would be like a huge uh, breakthrough. 
So ChatGPT changed all of that, and that's something that we cannot take for granted. Therefore, when we take into account, again, the release of something like ChatGPT, we need to take into account the fact that uh, what is uh, making a product valuable in the market is the leverage into network effects, the fact that more users are joining into that tool, and if there is like a feedback, a feedback uh, a dynamic, feedback loop dynamic into that tool, you can improve it quite quickly. And that's what going, what's going on right now with ChatGPT. Every day that ChatGPT is on the market without a competitor is a huge advantage for ChatGPT and OpenAI to actually get better and better. And if you notice, just a couple of days ago, there was an update where ChatGPT got much better in terms of uh, you know dealing with math, as we saw that ChatGPT was not good in dealing with uh, with the uh, mathematical problems and also with the factuality. So that's quite interesting. As we go along and more users join ChatGPT and give feedback to the platform, the, the better it gets every day. That's a key thing to understand. So so if you do understand all those components, you do understand that there, you know, the, the business advantage is built on top of something that goes behind the product or the technology alone. So of course, technology and the product will move us in a certain direction, but the business dynamics are quite relevant here and the network effects can be quite powerful. So as uh, they usually say, also there is a, an interesting perspective from uh, Red Hoffman, the, the founder of, uh, of uh, co-founder of LinkedIn, and also the uh, one of the key members into OpenAI. Uh, like uh, he explains, uh, you know, in uh, in, uh, in blitz scaling, actually what matters is not uh, necessarily necessarily the first mover, the first mover, ad mover advantage, but is the first scaler advantage. The fact that you can scale first, gain traction into a market, and then gain, uh, you know. Uh, dominance into the market uh, as quickly as possible and the more you gain dominance the harder it is for the other players to actually get and uh, gain ground once you are the first scaler now that's the interesting thing and uh, i would like to start from there to understand actually the, the the business trends that we need to look at when it comes to ai going forward in the at least for the for the coming months uh, the first thing is, of course, uh, we see uh, the, the market heating up quite a lot with uh, different competitors coming to the market to ChatGPT. Apparently, there is already uh, coming up something from Google that uh, is, uh, again, is going to be launching a conversational interface uh, similar to ChatGPT, but most probably more grounded, we'll see. And, uh, of course, we'll see also most probably the launch of an open source version of uh, ChatGPT as announced by Stability AI and uh, we'll see most probably also other companies like Facebook, Apple uh, going into the space. Now, the most important thing to understand here is uh, OpenAI has a huge advantage right now, has uh, scaled already to become the main brand and uh, also at consumer level it is the brand associated with the success of conversational interface, AI interfaces. So how do we actually gain ground in a, in a market where OpenAI is actually scaling up quite quickly? Well, the way you do it is, uh, of course, uh, by uh, doing something that uh, can work uh, in, a, in a way to gain scale very, very quickly. And if you're Google, the way to do it is through, for instance, multimodality, which is the next frontier of the AI industry. Multimodality means bringing up, uh, bringing the barriers between, uh, you know, text, audio, image, and video to bring a model that the foundational layer is able to handle all those formats. So a general purpose engine is able to handle all those formats. Another key thing to understand here, we are still into a window of opportunity of uh, where large players can still uh, make sure to keep up with OpenAI 
for a simple reason because OpenAI right now it's a breakthrough product it's like the iPhone but it's missing yet its app store if you wish so the interesting part is of course there, there might already be the app store of, of OpenAI which are its APIs and if you think about it its APIs are already hugely successful as uh, they are already uh, empowering a huge amount of applications and web, web applications and also mobile applications on, on the internet and on the other side, those APIs will become even more valuable if ChatGPT is going to be uh, launched as an API tool, which is coming soon. So if you think about it, the API is itself uh, actually a business platform for OpenAI. And uh, we don't know yet uh, how much money OpenAI is making from those API endpoints, but if that's the business model, it has the potential to become a really a platform, though we're going to see in the future if it's going to turn into a uh, cash machine uh, as powerful as uh, as uh, the Google advertising machine to actually make OpenAI scale uh, further the, the the market and therefore in this window of opportunity that exists right now the other foundation layer player might be able to actually come to the market with something that is as or uh, more more powerful than the foundational layer of OpenAI to compete. So multimodality is a key, a key thing to look at right now. And it's also interesting for whoever is working at the application layer, because for instance, right now you may be building up by crossing various engines. Uh, for instance, let's imagine that you're building an app uh, that uh, is, uh, is doing uh, some tasks, but then it needs to use an engine for something, another engine for, some, for something else, and therefore plugging uh, the, the text uh, API on the one side and the image API on the other side that you don't have video. And therefore, not only is much more limited, it's also more complex to build something. Imagine in the future you have an open API endpoint that is going to actually enable you to build whole workflow into a tool uh, with a single API endpoint, which can be called with, with prompts at several levels. And therefore, you can build something extremely valuable very very uh, quickly with a single endpoint that's quite interesting another key thing to understand is that uh, those large language models we figured already what they are good at and what they are not good at so now as i said the chat might already be becoming uh, much better at math but that's not the point i think uh, large language models have become uh, you know quite clearly the interfaces for anything else meaning that if we're able to actually enable tooling, so the ability of those large language models to handle various tools, just like we do, like, you know, as a person, I might not be able to actually do uh, complex calculations, but I can always pull up my calculator. I might not be able as a financial person to actually do complex modeling, but I might pull up my Excel and do that. Do that. So just like that, imagine the case of a large language model like GPT-3 who is able to interface with other applications that know quite well how to do other things like, you know, computation, modeling and stuff like that. Those large language models can potentially actually do a lot of stuff. That's the interesting part. So this uh, this interface the tooling interface for uh, for gpt3 is going to be another interesting development and probably another development where many startups are working on on the foundational layer level where it might actually empower uh, you know gpt to actually do many more things and again gpt becomes the interface that handles the tools to actually do all the stuff for which is not suited for 
And uh, another key point to, to look at is really the, the transition from really dynamic to generative. And that's uh, something that is already happening on the search side where many people are, uh, you know, flocking to ChatGPT to get answer on many queries that they have, especially things uh, quite practical when it comes to research uh, and information they need on the go and on the fly. And this, of course, raises a point on whether it makes sense still to have a paradigm where you have a, an engine which is static when instead you can have something which is uh, which is quite dynamic and is generated on the on the fly which is what happened with uh, with the uh, real time uh, with a real time engine and therefore this changes a little bit the paradigm of search where search works try through a mechanism of crawling indexing and ranking where you know the crawling and indexing part and, and also ranking part may be quite expensive to maintain. On the other side, you might have a paradigm where the generative engine is able to generate on the fly information and knowledge without being stored anywhere necessarily, but being generated based on the context of the user, interest of the user, and it's going to be highly personalized, so hyper-personalized, and it's going to be dynamic and different each time. Of course, again, to get there, it means that we're going to be able to lower the cost of the generation. So right now, the cost of search is many times over compared to the cost of the generated content on the fly. Therefore, until we don't get there, it's going to be hard to uh, imagine that uh, this is doable. But with all the amount of resources uh, invested into it and the uh, AI computer, AI supercomputers that are getting uh, built on top of uh, those large language models, we might assume that in the future this may be possible. So those are the key uh, trends that I will be looking at in the in the coming months, which are quite interesting. And uh, you know, I'll be updating more and more throughout the podcast here. Mm-hmm.